So we're going to read a couple, uh, two or three, maybe four of the scriptures from last week. We're going to go a little uh, deeper into them. I would uh, call it, uh, I told uh, uh, Brother Henry early on, I said, we're going to have some meat and potatoes tonight. So we're going to get into some uh, meat and potatoes of the word here, substance. And the reason I'm saying that is God, uh, I, I just was blown away. I was like, wow, Lord. And when you you think you know things sometimes, and then God shows you a bigger picture of what you believe you understand. And it just amazes me. It, you, you know, you see what's by the scripture, what's been done in the Lord Jesus Christ, because the scripture declares him. In Matthew 24, where we've been, and in particular, uh, reading verse, you know, I'll quote the beginning, uh, when shall these things be, uh, and the time of the end, and, and uh, not one stone will be left upon another. We've been reading those over and over again. Uh, See ye not all these things, there shall not be one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they ask him, when will this be? What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? And uh, then we go on into Matthew 24 on down in it. And Jesus says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows in verse 8. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then they shall, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that should do, shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. And I uh, said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. A lot of times people think this gospel being preached in all the world hasn't happened yet. People who are still believing it to someday happen, and then there's going to be an end. But if I put it in context to what Jesus is saying, the destruction of the temple, the end of the age. You, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the question, when will this age end? When is its completion? When is its finality? When will the temple be destroyed? Jesus says the gospel will be preached in all nations, then the end shall come. That's when it's going to come, when the gospel is preached in all the world. Now, in both Matthew and Mark, if we look there at the end of the chapters, Matthew, Mark 16, verse 14, it says, Afterward, he appeared unto the leaven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. 
And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay. Now, in Matthew 28, 16, I believe this is the same conversation, just a written by Matthew. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world or the end of the age. Amen. So here we see Jesus commissioning the disciples to go into all the world. Now, we went through this last week, so not to repeat everything, but there are different words for world. The gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world means the inhabited earth. The people in an inhabited globe or the, or the Roman world, at that time, all outside of it was regarded as of no account. So the whole Roman world, and then down here in Mark and Matthew, I believe it was dealing with what's called the cosmos, which is dealing with the orderly arrangement or the globe. But, but he's sending them forth to declare the gospel into all the world before the end comes. And again, the end I'm talking about is the end of that temple and temple worship system. Now, to support what I'm saying, turn over to Romans 10. I'm going to read you verse 18, but we're going to go back to 5 after that and read down quite a number of verses here in Romans 10. But verse 18 of Romans 10 says, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. <laughs> now, what in the world does Paul mean? The words went to the ends of the world. What he says in Romans 10. Jesus said, what? The gospel 
was to be preached into all the world before the end come. Paul says the word has went into all word, the world in Romans 10. So, and Paul writes this before the old temple is destroyed. Now, let's go look at what went into all the world. Let's go up to verse 5 of Romans 10. We're going to read down, and we're going to read quite a few scripture scriptures in Isaiah and bring some clarity to this out of the prophets and law tonight. So in verse 5, says, Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart who shall descend into, ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God have raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I didn't pull up every Old Testament scripture that's in this, because this is full of Old Testament scripture, but I did pull up several of them. And if you flip back, hold your place there in Romans, because we're going to come back to it, but flip back to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11, says, This commandment, which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up, for, up to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee and in thy mouth and in thy heart. So the word is nigh to thee in thy heart and in thy mouth. That thou mayest do it. See, I've set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, and that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live. So, so there it was a command in the Old Testament to keep the statutes that thou mayest live. Okay, I want you to notice something real close that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land, whether thou goest to possess it. So look at this real close. 
I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. Now, in Romans, that's not the command. Hear me. I'm not saying that that's not in the command, but in Romans, that is not the command. Okay? The command is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's why I say that. Because the Lord Jesus Christ did this command. He fulfilled the law. He said, I do always that that pleases my father. In him was found no guile. In him was found no iniquity. In him was found no sin. So, so now all the law was fulfilled in Christ. So our command is really not the old covenant law anymore because Jesus fulfilled that. Our command is the word of faith that is nigh thee to believe in thy heart and in thy mouth, the word of faith. So we are to believe the word of faith, glory to God. And in believing the word of faith, we are to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're believing on him that did this. And now what's bestowed upon us is all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. See, see, look there in, the, in what it said in Deuteronomy. If you do all this, God's going to bless you. Okay. Now, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, God has blessed you. Because Jesus did all that. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, and he was given a portion of the grade according to Isaiah 53. And what was bestowed upon him, he bestowed upon us. So now, what was attributed to him is attributed to us. You see this? So here, it's, it's moved from the old covenant law into the grace and faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That what's in Christ is bestowed upon you. Okay? There's several points here I really want us to see and really, really get a hold of. This is one of them. So, so there... You know, we, you know, it was told them to love the Lord with all your heart, to do this, to keep the law, to do this. But here it's come the word of faith. The word of faith. Because Jesus did that. And now if I believe on him, what he's done is bestowed on me. Not from works of righteousness that we should boast, but through the grace of God, Paul writes. Okay, now let's flip back to Romans 10. Okay, Romans 10 says, it was on verse 14, or, or go back to 11, we'll go down. It says, the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call on him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe that's out of Joel. And whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed, I believe is out of Isaiah 28. So now we're coming to a, the salvation is, is to whoever, to the Jew and Greek. 
It's no longer to just the, the Jew. Think on this for a minute. It's no longer just for Jew. Now, this is going on in Paul's day. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not all heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth and their words into the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now, I'm not going to do this, but if you go on into chapter 11 and read this into chapter 11, it makes chapter 11 way more powerful. But we try to separate it, but Paul wrote it as a letter. So Paul's saying, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So what's the gospel of peace? Let's go back to Isaiah. Let's, let's go back here to Isaiah 52 and 53. So in Isaiah 52, start at verse 5. And we're going to probably turn back to Romans 10. So if you didn't hold your place, you know we'll probably go back there. But verse 5 says, Now, therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught? They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemy. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know it in the day that I am he that doth speak. Well, that's Jesus. <laughs> that's speaking the words of God. But behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, and publishes salvation that saith unto Zion, thy God reigns. Now these apostles are told to go out and preach the gospel, the good news. Here it is. Here's the good news. Good tidings of good. We have salvation in Christ. It's said unto Zion, thy God reigns. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, the voice together they shall sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion, break forth into joy, sing together your waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth, shall see the salvation of our God. Now that is Jesus. Depart ye, depart ye, go out from thence, touch no one clean thing, go ye not out of the midst of her, be ye clean, that you bear, ye that bear the vessels of the Lord, for ye shall not go out with haste, nor go, up, go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, 
and the God of Israel shall be your re reward. So here you go. The Lord may bear his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. When did God do that? When did God make bare his holy arm in all the nations? Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you. Read on into chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Here's the Lord's arm, and here's where it's made bare. Verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. The Lord's arm is a he. The arm of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord is a he. He shall grow up as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. From him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Or we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here's the good news that there that he's telling you in Isaiah 52. He's going to bring good tidings that our God reigns. Here's the good news. Jesus, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, despised, bore our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved because it's all laid on him. He took everything. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he's cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his, in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What God desired is going to prosper in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Now, I want you to key in on this. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and he made intercession of transgression. Here's when, you know, back in 52, that the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Jesus Christ is revealed at John's baptism to Israel. I want you to hear this. 
to Jerusalem. At John's baptism, and we, we taught this early on, either in this teaching or the one before, that all of Israel came out to John, or all of Jerusalem, I mean, came out to John. And here at John's baptism, Christ is revealed. Okay? So they see the arm of the Lord. And the arm of the Lord goes through Jerusalem, declaring the gospel of the kingdom of God. What does he tell them? If I cast out devils, what does he say? By the finger of God, the arm of the Lord, the hand of God, the finger of God, then the kingdom of God's coming to you. Here's the arm of the Lord being revealed in Jerusalem. Then Jesus commissions the apostles to go into all nations. So now it's carried out to the ends of the world. Yes, honey, yes, it's carried out to the ends of the world. As Isaiah 52 says, the world, the ends of the world, began seeing the salvation of our God after Christ had been raised from the dead and ascended and came back and indwelt the disciples, and they began to go out. We, we dealt with this with Paul's ministry of how he went through the Roman Empire declaring the gospel of the kingdom of God. Here is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Our God reigns. God has comforted his people. He has done this in the Lord Jesus Christ. The arm of the Lord has been revealed in all the earth in the person of Jesus Christ and declared by the mouth of the prophets before the temple was taken off the earth. Now, and that's what Paul's talking about. The sound has went into all the world. The sound that Isaiah talked about, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the good news. What were they preaching? The salvation of Jesus Christ. That was exactly what began to be declared, and God's salvation had come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the arm of the Lord. This gospel shall be preached in all the world. Then, shall the income. That's exactly what the apostles, particularly Paul, and those traveling with Paul was doing, was going out to the end of the world, the entire Roman Empire. Now, what's powerful here is God had brought Jerusalem under Roman bondage, okay, right? God did that. Some people say, no, God didn't do that. Oh, yes, he did. Why? that the gospel would go to the whole world because Rome was considered the inhabited or the, I know there were other parts of the globe, but Rome was the world. Caesar was over much of the world. So, so 
And, and you go right into Romans 11, and he tells you blindness in part has come to the Jews that the gospel would go out to the world. Now, we, we think this is today he's talking about. I mean, this, this today right now. No, no, no. He's writing that right then, right there, that this has happened, that, the, that all the world could be saved, that whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, that the mercy of God would come upon all. That's what Paul's saying in Romans 11. Not, not you, you know, what people are thinking, but he's declaring this is what Isaiah spoke of. He refers to Isaiah in, in Romans 10 four or five or more times. He refers to Isaiah. He refers to Joel. He refers to Deuteronomy. That's, what he, that's where he's writing out of. And, and, and Isaiah is talking about good tidings coming. Tell Zion, thy God reigns. And the writer of Hebrews says, you come to Mount Zion, God reigns. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. The salvation of God had come in that day to all the world. Who was Jesus Christ? And the apostles were the witness of it. And they went and declared it before the destruction come upon Israel. Why? That all the world could be saved. Not just the Jews, but all the world. So now the gospel is whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. That's the gospel. Whosoever will. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So it's who will. It's too all. Yeah, it's too all. And people like to get wrapped up. It's too all. Yeah, it is. I agree. It's to every man and woman that walks upon the face of the earth. But the catch is whosoever will. Let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Freely you have received and freely you have give. You shall give. We give out of what we've received of him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And we're, we're what? We're drawing water out of the wells of salvation. Who is a person? Are you greater than our father Jacob, the Samaritan woman says? Yeah, he was greater than their father Jacob. Because Jacob couldn't give them water that was going to rise up into eternal life. But here, Jesus, the lineage of Jacob couldn't do it. See, the water that come up out of Jacob, his lineage, whatever he gave to the Israelites couldn't do it. But here, Jesus sits on that well. I believe, speaking of, he's closing that stream. He's the end of that stream. That stream is no longer relevant. And now he sits down on the well and he tells the woman, neither here in Samaria nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father, but from henceforth you shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. And people say, well, how do we get to Mount Zion? John saw a city by the Spirit of God. He saw the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven by the Spirit of God. That's the Mount of God. That's the Zion of God, that of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus said. You shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. You shall dwell in Mount Zion. Isaiah 2 tells you this. 
that that a people's going to come up to the mountain of the Lord, and this people's going to walk in His ways. They're going to live in His paths. They're going to dwell in what He is, because Jesus divided the spoil with the strong. And in, in the Scripture says, "Let the weak say they are strong." Why? Because the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Christ in me has made me the strong that I can enjoy him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. Glory to his name. This gospel has no end. Of the increase of his kingdom, there is no end. It ain't like the past gospel. It ain't like the past, you know, tidings of God that had an end date. This gospel was sealed, ratified, and is going forth by the power of his might. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And it is increasing, increasing, and increasing over the globe. But that was, you know, Matthew 24 was fulfilled naturally. Now, again, I've said this all the way through this. Spiritually, this has to be done in us. Spiritually, by the Lord, this work has to be done. He takes away that he may establish. And we have to see he is the salvation. Isaiah declared that was coming to be seen in all the earth. Now, one last scripture, Galatians. Galatians, I, I, I'm looking for the chapter to whom Jesus Christ was crucified among you. That's in Galatians Oh, foolish Galatians chapter 3. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Now, Galatia was part of the Roman Empire. You know that? From my understanding, it wasn't Jerusalem. Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. But see, through the apostles going out, the salvation was seen over the earth. Jesus Christ was seen crucified among them. That's exactly what Paul told them. Who's bewitched you that you turn from something other than him that's crucified among you? If you look close at Galatians and Romans 6, Paul deals with, in both books, being baptized into Christ. So how are they seeing that, they're that Christ is crucified among them because they're baptized into Christ. But instead of walking in the knowledge of that, what do they do? 
They turn to the weak and beggarly elements of the world to find their salvation. And Paul is bringing them back to Christ, that he's the salvation to the ends of the earth. There ain't no other salvation to the ends of the earth but him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It's him crucified. His blood was shed. Paul's wasn't shed. Peter's wasn't shed for her sins. I mean, theirs was shed, but not for her sins. Their blood couldn't take away sins. They were living in the justification of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the knowledge of him, he shall justify many. The knowledge of him, not your knowledge, but by his knowledge, by the knowledge of him operating in you, by the mind of Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit that is putting a new mind and a new heart in you. We shall walk in his path. Yeah, his path was a crucified man, crucified to the world. We walk in his nature by the Spirit of God revealing him in us. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. I just have to read that because uh, Isaiah 2 is, for many years, one of my favorite scriptures, probably Isaiah 2 and John 17 in the Bible. I mean, I just glean both of them. That they may be one as we are one. I and them, here's how, the power, I and them, thou and me that they be made perfect in. Hallelujah, not through our ability, but through him that dwells in us. And, and Isaiah 2, I just love it so much, what the Lord says there. Come ye and let us go. And, and Apostle John sees the mountain of the Lord. And and. It shall come to pass in the last days, verse 2, that the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Jesus established that with what I said earlier. Neither shall they worship the Father in this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the top of the mountain, high above those mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations, here it is, all nations shall flow unto this establishment. And many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways. Jesus says, I'm his ways. I'm the way. And we will walk in his path. Jesus said, I do always that that flees the father. So we live in him. We dwell in him. We walk in him. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the, of the Lord from Jerusalem. What law came out of Zion? Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. New law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. Not the old covenant law, just like we started there in Romans earlier tonight. What, what changed there? Jesus had died. That's what changed, and Jesus had raised again. That's what changed there when Paul declares Romans that, that the word is nigh thee in thy heart and in thy mouth, the word of faith that we preach. He didn't go back and read all of Deuteronomy there. He said, it's the Lord Jesus, that the one that 
pleased the Father. The one that pleased God is the Lord Jesus Christ. How we please God is that we are in him and we live in him and he's made known in us and transforms our minds and our souls, giving us a new heart and a new mind. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And, and it's just so powerful. He shall be given a portion. How much of a portion did he get? All things, he says, of the fathers are mine. That's a portion. And he gives that to us. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, that's a blessing. As he is, so are we. That's a blessing. My God, we should raise our hands and say, God, thank you for such a blessing. As you are, so are we. Oh, hallelujah. Yea, because you live in me, Father, and I live in you. You're my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, I thank you. Thank you for this time in the Lord. Just ask you to increase the understanding of this great salvation that has come forth in Christ, that we declare him to all the earth. Jesus' glorious name, I pray. Amen. Well, I'll stop right there. <laughs>